Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of the Orange Report with Mike and Matt. Unfortunately, Matt is out of the country this evening. We're doing a Thursday edition. As y'all well know, the Wednesday edition did not work. We had some serious technical issues, software crashing. Um, So we're going to try to make it a go tonight. Hopefully we'll make it. If not, you may see my head explode. But um, welcome back. Um, We've got a great show planned for you tonight. Um, We've got... um, Alan Kinney from blatanthomerism.com coming on in just a couple minutes. We're going to talk about OU and what he thinks and expects um, for their 2000 football season. Then about 7.30 tonight, we've got Brian Etheridge from the Baylor Bear 247 site, um, bearstruth.com. So um, hang around, listen. Um, we're going live tonight, and the show will be available on podcast about 15 or 20 minutes after the show. So if you want to go back to blogtalkradio.com, look for the Orange Report on the link. Um, you can listen there. We're also on iTunes, um, the TuneIn app, and Stitcher. So you can find us on all of those apps. So, again, I want to apologize for last night. We had issues with, with Alan on the line and then the software crash. And um, hopefully we'll be uh, much better um, tonight. So without that said, Alan is back on, um, back on the line. And I'm glad to introduce him, and I'm glad he made time to come and see us again. Alan, welcome back to the Orange Report again. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm so sorry about last night, guys, but I'm uh, happy that we were able to uh, reconnect tonight. Yeah, I, I think it was several issues. One is I think I had a bad cell phone connection, and then I tried a, a new connection thing um, last night using um, Direct Connect and some new software, and apparently it didn't install right. And I, showed it was working and it crashed so it was a I spent most of yesterday evening getting it fixed so hopefully we're good to go so we'll just pick up where we were uh, yesterday and um, that was we were talking about Bob Stoops and I said I saw us you know had seen some similarities in the last few seasons of OU of where Matt Brown was in the latter part of his um, you know tenure at Texas and I think without about when everything went 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 bad for us. So I'll let you finish your answer there and then we'll move on. Yeah. Well, Oh, I mean, you know, I think that, uh, the, the similarities, you know, I, I think that everybody sees them they're they're pretty stark. Um, you know, and, uh, Mac just, it was a kind of a case where I, I mean, clearly he didn't really want to move on and, uh, kept kind of fighting against that and, and hoping that, that he could kind of turn things around. But, you know, you find after a while that a lot of times it's kind of hard to reverse uh, that negative momentum. Um, you know, and and I think that when I look at this team for OU this year in the state of the program, that's more my concern than really the guys that they have on the field. I think, uh, while I, I do think the talent is down somewhat from where they were, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago, at the same time, uh, it's still a team that should be competing for the top of the Big 12, you know. But it, I, for some reason, though, you know, there's something about the uh, the kind of inertia when things start going bad for in, in these long-term coaching situations. Sometimes it's hard to 
get out of that tailspin. Now, um, you know, I, I feel a lot better about the state of the program at OU right now than uh, probably Texas fans felt, um, you know, at, in max final seasons. But, um, yeah, that's definitely a fight that Bob Stoops is uh, trying to wage right now. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, let's say y'all y'all go about eight and five again, or you know, or lose a bowl, or seven and five and win your bowl. Basically, around the win loss record. What what do you think the pulse of the fans are going to be? I mean, I mean, you know, it's, how hot is his seat? I guess if 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 anything. You know, I uh, I don't look at it as a matter of Stoops being on the hot seat by any stretch. I, I think that, uh, you know, he can certainly survive uh, an 8-5 and five season. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's also, though, more a case where at some point Stoops, I think, has to look at it and say, okay, you know, I've done what I can here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of heat and scrutiny on my program. Um, you know, and, and Stoops could move on pretty easily to, uh, you know, another probably pretty good coaching job if, if he wanted, and so you know, I mean, I think that he's he's got a lot of options right now, and um, at some point, you know, you got to think he might just be a little bit tired of, uh, you know, kind of banging his head against the wall. Um, but I, I I don't think that something like an eight and five season would, uh, you know, have the administration pushing to move him out. Yeah, and, you know, it was a telltale sign that you know decided to come back because I mean I do think that. When the Florida job, when Munchchat was gone, I, I really felt like if he was tired of the the pressure, just burnt out at, at Oklahoma, that that Florida would have been a good a good um, landing spot for him. So obviously, him, you know, you know, having that opportunity and probably several others I don't even know about that, you know, obviously he's still committed to to Oklahoma, and and, and you, know, it, you know, I'm not an Oklahoma fan, obviously, but I mean that should say something to the fans that he could bolt. But, you know, and maybe some of them wish he had, but, but I mean, he did, he, he is still got some passion and committed in Oklahoma back to where they were in the, you know, the, the, you know, to the, you know, the mid two thousands and, 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 you know, competing not only for big 12 championships, but obviously for national championships as well. And I think with, with what, you know, y'all have run into the last couple of years, obviously, as you know, we had the Vince Young, Colt McCoy, and obviously y'all with Bradford and, you know, yeah. y'all had a run of quarterbacks too. As we've all seen, the quarterback is the driving force. And, you know, uh, going into y'all season this year, I mean, what do you think about your quarterback position? Is it going to be Knight, Mayfield? Um, what are your thoughts there? You know, it sounds, you know, all the media insiders uh, seem to think that Mayfield is, is uh, you know, pretty much odds-on favorite to win the job. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, he has a lot of experience in – the offense that Lincoln Riley's bringing in, running that air raid down there at uh, Texas Tech, and also uh, in high school, um, you know he's got uh, got a good arm. He makes quick decisions. You know a lot of that a lot of that makes sense. Um, you know the thing is though is that uh, you know he's probably uh, you know athletically he's certainly uh, on a, uh, a tier lower than Knight. Um, and, and Trevor Knight's a guy too that uh, Bob Stoops has a lot of faith in. Um, he's a guy that, uh, that Stoops sees as kind of a, a good ambassador for, uh, for the program. Um, I, I still think it's going to be Mayfield getting the starting call. But, you know, I mean, Knight, Knight certainly has a chance to, uh, to make a statement here in the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, you kind of answered that was my next question. You know, what do you think of the new um, additions to the coaching staff? Obviously, Lincoln Riley, the, the wide open offense, which, you know, Oklahoma's been basically running a version of that. And then obviously, you know, bringing Mike Stoops back the year before, and then obviously now bringing him back, you know, the full defensive coordinator uh, again. And obviously, uh, you know, pre previous years that had worked pretty well when OU, I think, was at the, you know, the peak of their defensive performances. So I would have to think fans would be somewhat okay with the uh, addition of Mike Stoops back at D.C. Well, you know, I'll, I'll start, I guess I'll start with the, the offensive side first. Uh, you know, I was not – I was hoping that OU might take a little bit of a, a different approach and go go maybe away from the air raid. But, um, you know, so so I wasn't, I wasn't just, you know, over the moon excited about Lincoln Riley – uh, you know, he was hired. Now, that being said, having studied his offense for the past few months, um, I'm really, really impressed with, with him in terms of his um, his knack for, for play calling, with the stuff that he's drawing up. His uh, his his mentality is very aggressive. Um, I, I'm, I, so that part, those parts of it, I'm, I'm really, uh, really happy with. And, you know, he'll be working with a uh, much better group of wide receivers, I think, than OU had last year. So that's another plus. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, a lot of people uh, were, were pretty uh, – there were, there were a lot of people who were upset with, with Mike Stoops coming back. There are a lot of people who certainly uh, – that, that is coming back this year. Um, you know, he's, he's come back for a second run, and uh, a lot of people saw him as the kind of guy, as the guy who'd come in and, and reinvigorate the program and, and get Oklahoma's defense back to where it was. And, you know, that hasn't necessarily panned out. And Mike's, takes a, Mike's playing, a, you know, a, a real different style now because he's, you know, forcing the defense to kind of adjust to how to defend against the spread and the air raid. And, you know, it's, it's worked to, to different degrees. But, you know, you saw last year, uh, you know, it really collapsed against Baylor, the D did, and so did, and it also collapsed against uh, Clemson in the bowl game. So, you know, there's, there's definitely been a lot of uh, hemming and hawing about that from fans that I've talked to. Uh, personally, I think that this year he kind of is going to get it back. Um, you know, they, they made a, a really good hire uh, in bringing Kerry Cooks over from Notre Dame to coach the secondary, and they've recruited much better. They have, uh, and have you know, three or four guys that, you know, are, are now kind of coming up through the program that I think should be in better position to uh, hold things down this year. Yeah, and if you noticed, I didn't even bring up y'all's bowl game because I damn sure didn't want you to bring up ours. So. <laughs> you notice I stayed completely away from that topic. So, um, um, yeah. OU fans that tweet at me or that are tweeting, I didn't bring up the um, y'all's bowl game. Uh, yeah, did. So be sure enough. to tweet. Be sure to tweet. Be sure to tweet at him, not me, because I, yeah, I I'm yeah, well assured that I, real, I I realize how bad our bowl game was too. I mean, yeah. Clemson <laughs> damn near many, many, Clemson had as many points as we did yards. So I understand. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so. so well, and, and obviously, you know, it's funny how we have these, these parallel um, issues between Texas and OU. Obviously, again, offensive line has been our um, burger the last couple of years. And obviously, uh -huh. um, that's been a, kind of a strength. Now, this year, looks like y'all are going to have several new starters. So um, what's the concern or what's the expectation for the offensive line? Obviously, you've got some guys stepping in with not a lot of um, experience. Yeah, you know, part of, uh, I think, the success of Oklahoma's running game last year was 
Uh, and due, due in large part to how, how much cohesion they had on the offensive line, uh, how good uh, those guys all kind of work together. Um, you know, now they're replacing three starters this year. Uh, you know, they've got Nila Casatati coming back at one guard position. And I, he might not be listed as a starter, but I think he started six or seven games last year and played, played pretty frequently. So, And then uh, at center they've got Ty Darlington, who's another multi-year starter. Um you know, then they're filling in at the other at the other spots. Though, you know, they've got uh, uh, JUCO transfer and Josiah St. John. He was in the program last year. He, uh, you know, rotated in at tackle at times last year. He he moves up and takes a starting spot. And then, you know, at the other spot, they've got a really really talented uh, youngster named uh, Kenyon Friesen uh, out of Utah, who is a redshirt freshman, and he's kind of looking like their next great tackle now. I don't know if he's going to beat out uh, Derek Farniok for that position, but uh, you know there, there's some some hope there. But again, he's young, so you know who knows exactly how he'll fit in this year. And then looking at the guard position, um, you know they've got a, a JUCO transfer who, who just you know entered the program in Jamal Danley, uh, and they've got a young guy, uh, I believe a redshirt freshman named Jonathan Alvarez, who I think was recruited as a two-star out of Texas, but. Is a uh, one guy that that really is starting to look like a, a diamond in the rough. He plays real physical, kind of mauling. The kind of guy that uh, Bill Bedenboe likes on the offensive line. Uh, I think the move to the air raid, in a way, benefits the line's transition because the ball is going to be coming out so much quicker uh, and so much more emphasis on quick timing routes. So you know they they won't have to protect as long and uh, not as much of the uh, physical kind of road grading in the running game. Yeah, I think when I looked it up, I think I think Kazatati had about 13 starts. Um, Farnock had only one, and then the other guys kind of saw action but never really had starts. They just kind of filled in. So, yeah, obviously three guys in there with not a lot of, you know, game yeah. experience. So, uh, yeah. You know, that's what I was looking at. And then let's move to the defensive side of the ball. And a player uh, I see, you know, on, on the several depth charts now that have been released, uh, defensive end, you know, Matt Diamond, you know, a kid that, that I, I liked a lot out of high school. I liked his toughness. Um, I like the way he, he, he you know, I, like, I just like the way he plays. So it looks like this year he's going to get his opportunity to, to be a starter. I know he's played some in the past. So um, name some other players other than Diamond who you think will, you know, eventually that are new. I mean, we all know about – Alexander and Stryker, I mean, you know, two great, probably two future NFL players, but who are some other younger guys there that we can expect to see on the defense this year? Yeah, you know, Diamond's locked in a pretty good battle. Um, is You know, Oklahoma a few years ago moved to that 3-4 defense primarily because they just didn't have that many good defensive linemen. Uh, now, you know, they it's a position that they've recruited really hard and all, uh, you know, are, are kind of overflowing with, with uh, good good candidates there. So he'll be locked in a, in a good battle with guys like Charles Tapper and uh, Dwayne Orso for that for that defensive end spot. Um, you know, the, in the middle, they're going to have uh, Charles, Charles Walker, who's a real talented guy, but can't has had a hard time staying healthy. He had a, you know some knee injuries, I think, in high school and uh, missed a lot of time last year. But he's a uh, he's a really good one when he can if he can stay on the field. Uh, you know, they'll be moving in guys like Neville Gallimore, who's actually a true freshman, uh, can't recruit out of Canada, but uh, was, I, I believe, the, the highest-rated uh, player in this class. He'll be, he'll be kind of holding it down there in the middle. And 
um, you know, moving to the uh, to the outside, looking at the uh, linebacker positions, you know, you're going to have uh, a striker, of course, holding down one side, and he'll be doing, from what I understand, he'll be doing a lot more, uh, focusing a lot more on rushing this year. Uh, you know, last year they kind of played him as a as something of a, a nickelback almost. He was doing more coverage. I think he'll be doing a whole lot more where he's just where they're just telling him to attack upfield. Same uh, on the other side, they're going to be have Devonte Bond, who's a guy that came along re- uh, really well last year, late. Uh, and in the middle, it you know they're bringing back both starters from last year, and Jordan Evans and Dom Alexander, and they're also uh, bringing in Frank Shannon, uh, who was uh, suspended last year following a uh, a Title IX case. So he's going to be back in and uh, competing for a starting job there with Evans. You know, other guys on the defense, I think Zach Sanchez is, uh, you know, obviously he's a mainstay at one of the corners. Uh, really good cover guy. Uh, the other side looks like it's going to be Jordan Thomas, uh, who uh, played a lot as a true freshman. Uh, he's he's a bigger guy, the kind of big physical corner that Mike Stoops likes, so he'll have the other side. And then um, one guy that uh, made a lot of strides last year, he played a lot as a true freshman, that's Stephen Parker, the safety He'll be uh, playing, you know, the strong safety spot in the in the you know normal rotation, the base defense, and then uh, when OU goes to five defensive backs, he'll he'll shift down and play nickelback, and he's he's a real good one. He has a chance, I think, to have an all-conference type of year, but you know, obviously that's a, a crowded crowded group in the Big Twelve. Yeah, well, let's kind of shift gears. I'm gonna put you on the spot. You know, I look at it for a couple weeks and you know, kind of analyze it and. You know, I guess my prediction, I'm, you know, I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm doing with every team and I'll, you know, do them, you know, uh, again for my last show right before the season starts. And, you know, I've got y'all, I think, somewhere around eight and four, maybe nine and three. I could also, if the quarterback position is still shaky and offensive line issues, I could see some stumbling to a seven and five. So I could see a high of nine and three, low of seven and five. What, what are your thoughts on where you see Oklahoma finishing? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, I think uh, you know, nine and three should be, in my opinion, for this team and how they should shake out. Nine and three should be a floor, honestly. Um, I realize that you know, there's there's uncertainty at quarterback a little bit there, and uh, there's also you know the new new faces at the offensive line. But uh, OU is so stacked in the backfield and they have they've, they've really upgraded the talent at receiver i mean barring barring a, a bunch of injuries um i'm not that concerned about who's going to win that quarterback job honestly because they've got so many different weapons to uh make use of their receiver and you know defensively uh the the secondary which was kind of the, the big issue last year should be a lot stronger so I mean, I look at nine and three. I think if if OU wins fewer than than nine games this year, I, I would take that as as a real sign. That's that's underachieving big time, and uh, I would have a lot of concerns about uh, where things are going with Bob Stoops. Um, but and and you know, I mean, it's funny. I went through the schedule a couple weeks back on one of my podcasts and. Did, just went game by game, and I didn't realize it until the end. But I had OU at ten and two, and it's the kind of thing where I'm like, e, you know, when I start talking like that. But it, that's certainly not uh, not out of the question. Uh, you know, the the early game at Tennessee worries me because that's such a tough environment, and Tennessee is really on the rise. Uh, and of course, Baylor. 
concerns me. But, you know, that's not to say that OU couldn't. I mean, OU's got a, a tough, tough schedule. Texas is getting better. Uh, TCU is, is still going to be strong. Kansas State's always good. And OU, has, OU has to play at Kansas State. So, you know, it. You know, I, I think, you know, 9-3, and three, though, should be where this team is. That That's a, a kind of the floor to me. And on a bigger perspective, how do you see uh, the Big 12 shaping out? Yeah, I've got Baylor winning it, uh, ironically, by virtue of a head-to-head win over OU. Uh, I've got and, – and then um, Baylor – so I've got Baylor, OU. I've got TCU behind them. Um, I really like uh, – I really like West Virginia. Um, I like their defense a whole lot. Uh, they get a lot of their – you know – People talk about how hard their schedule is with having, you know, to go to Oklahoma, to Baylor, and to TCU. But uh, those are three games that I think they'd have a hard time winning if they're playing them at home anyway. I, I think the good the good fortune for them is that they get a lot of kind of fifty fifty games at home. So I, I like where where they're where they're at, and I really like their running game too. So uh, then you know I have a big kind of a group bunched up there between. Uh, Texas and uh, well, I, I think Texas and Oklahoma State. I'm a little bit lower than most people on Kansas State. Um, I like Texas Tech about as well as Kansas State, and then of course I think uh, I think Kansas is going to be one of the worst teams, at least as power, power five team in the country. And Iowa State doesn't look to be a whole lot better, but. Um, you know, I, I I can't believe. I mean, the idea a few years ago of picking Baylor to win three straight conference championships is crazy. But that's how I'm leaning right now. Yeah, I'm leaning. I still think you know TCU's lost you know five six guys on defense. I just think they're I think they're just going to have enough defense to to get a stop or two against Baylor. And I just don't think Baylor's going to slow down TCU's offense. I, I just think TCU's going to you know gonna gonna win that matchup so i've got tcu just as a as a slight favor but I, I think it could go you know either way the key is um you know will one of those teams you know slip up somewhere else you know yeah. I, I think you know you know, that, you know will, will they you know get get off somewhere else so i'm pretty similar on that and i know i asked this next question early um yesterday but i, I was going to save it kind of here to the end is okay. as you know as a, as a, as, a, as I said yesterday, as a Texas fan, it, it, sometimes it, it pains me to say this, but you know, as as Big Twelve, you know, members, we need Big Twelve to be, um, we need OU to be good, and I know it pains OU fans to, to, to uh, think yeah. this as well. But the conference is better if Texas is winning. I mean, it's much better if we're ranked in the top five. Y'all are in the top five in the big game in October, and everybody yeah. in the country is paying attention yeah. to it. It's just better for us. It's better for us, and and there's no there's no denying that. Not to disrespect Baylor or TCU, but um, they're not Oklahoma and Texas. Now, if they continue to do what they do in ten years, they they very well could yeah. be that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, and I and I and I've tried to tell people is if Oklahoma or Texas eleven and one last year, we would have probably both been in the playoffs. So. Uh, you know, they didn't get in because they haven't earned that credibility yet. And I'm not saying that's right. That was reality. So my question is, it's kind of a double sword expansion. Should we, what do we look at? Should we add a championship game? Should we stand pat? Obviously, we're in, uh, is looking around, wanting to bring in teams. And, and, and hell, y'all may end up in the SEC in two, three years or whatever anyway. So I guess what are your thoughts? 
12 and all this realignment mess? Because I, I see your tweets and I've listened to some of your stuff, so I know you've got some interesting opinions on it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's – right now I think that a lot of uh, OU fans are, are somewhat uh, disappointed with the way things have kind of gone with the schedule. You know, OU lost, you know, in, in losing – Nebraska, A and M, uh, Colorado, and Missouri. I mean, those were those were good games to have on the schedule. You know, even you I know, agree. They're high profile, you know, high profile opponents. And losing those, I, I think, has really kind of uh, you know irked a few fans. Uh, and, and and I think that's a in in some ways, I think that's a lot of where David Boren was coming from when he started shooting from the hip about what the conference needs to do. Um, I, I agree with you that I think the big the Big 12, the realignment kind of came at a really bad time for them because with Texas and Oklahoma faltering, the, the spotlight wasn't that, that big on the, on the conference as a whole. You know, I mean, Baylor, TCU are, are wow. cool stories, but they don't have the national kind of uh, cachet and, and name recognition that OU and Texas do. They don't have the same kind of national draw. And so, you know, when, when OU and Texas are, are struggling, just the the limelight, the conference, you know, the limelight isn't there for it. Um, you know, now let's, you know, I, I, I fall in the, uh, right now they need to do nothing. Uh, I think that uh, they just need to figure out, give the couple, play off a few more years. It's entirely possible that uh, the way things are right now is actually good for uh, OU and Texas. And, uh, you know, I mean, on top of that, OU and Texas kind of just need to get right. I think, uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I think Strong is a fantastic coach. I think that, uh, you know, he what he's doing there at Texas, it's, he's, he's doing something pretty durable. I, I think that he's done it. He's, he's a very good coach when it comes to just kind of developing good football players. And I, I think that that's, that's uh, you know, he's got them on the right course there. And then, you know, sooner or later, uh, you know, either Bob Stoops will get OU right again or, you know, somebody else will come along. But, you know, there's still – Oklahoma still has a lot of money, a lot of uh, enthusiasm, a lot mm-hmm. of interest in the program. So, you know, there's still, there's still time. You know, but, but so much is shifting right now in the landscape – it's it's really really hard to tell where where things are going where things are going to go, um, you know. And I, I do think that David Bourne wants wants to see something done differently. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know, yeah, and I, I think it's going to be done. But but I, you know, again, I really don't think we're having a lot of these conversations if me if, uh, if Texas and OU are both top ten teams this year. I, I don't think we're. I mean, we're probably still having them, but. They're, they're not just going to be as, as animated and, and, you know, and all, all of the talk. So, I mean, you're right. We've just, you know, we've got to, we've got to take care of our business and Oklahoma's got to take care of ours. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, when, when, when Strong was hired, I was, I guess I was okay with it, excited a little bit because I knew, I knew he was just a good football coach. And then after probably about three five months after he was hired, I became less excited and lukewarm because I still felt stagnant, uh, you know, that we were just yeah. kind of stagnant, um, you know, and then obviously, with you know, you know, y'all were still doing pretty good. And then Baylor and TCU were starting to get good. I see A&M taking off with the Manziel. I felt, man, we probably needed a big, big time name to, mm. to, to really get this thing turned around a little quicker. But now the longer 
the longer it's going. And even with the debacle last year, I mean, people that don't really follow it every day, you know, don't realize how void of talent Mac Brown left it. I mean, yeah. you can go back and look at the evaluations, and we were offering guys that shouldn't even have been. And, and it, came, it became real evident to me when Strong didn't re-offer about eight or nine offensive and defensive linemen when he took over, and about seven of nine of those guys all signed it, like Sam Houston States and those places. I said, good God, we were to sign eight of those guys, and they're all at, 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 um, at smaller schools. So I was, like, just shaking my head saying, what the hell's going on? But as going on, I have become a big fan because if you really take a step back and, like you said, look at the talent, he can evaluate, he develops just good football players. Now, it's probably going to take him a little, a, a little longer than, a, than an yeah. Meyer, Saban, a big-name person would have done, but I think he's building something, like you said, for the long term. So we'll, we'll see. And like I say, I hope we get good, and I hope, and I know my Texas fans are going to blow me up here a minute. I need <laughs> OU to be good, too, because I think it's, I, I, it's good for all of us. You know, it really is. Yeah. Well, Alan, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, go ahead, Alan. Oh no, I was gonna say yeah, no. I mean that game, the you know, I the the Cotton Bowl in October. There's nothing better if OU and Texas are both really loaded and really good. You know, I mean those games are are so much fun. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I'm not gonna be rooting for you guys necessarily, but I, I would understand. like to see you get good. So. <laughs> no, I understand, and I and I hey, I'm going to be at this year's game. I hadn't missed one in in, in darn near two decades, so I, I understand. But hey, I really appreciate you coming back on again on short notice the next night after the debacle last night. Tell my listeners um, if they do want to come over and read your blog, listen to some of your podcasts because I do, and then there's and they're, they're, I enjoy them a lot. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me. Uh, my my website's blatanthomerism.com. Uh, that's where I'll, I'll have all the podcasts up there, all the uh, all my, the articles that I write and everything. And then you can also find me on Twitter at blatant homerism. And uh, you know, please feel free to hit me up. I'm happy to talk football and uh, big all Big Twelve stuff. So you know, and, I, and again, I really appreciate the invitation coming on, and I'm I'm glad we can make it work, man. Absolutely, much better night. Well, thanks. I'll and obviously, if you somehow make it up to the Cotton Bowl this year, hit me up, and I'll be glad to buy you a cold one and a corn dog. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. Take it easy, man. All right. All right, man. Alan Kenny, uh, Longhorn Nation from blatanthomerism.com. Definitely go check out his his podcast and his, um, his uh, writings. Um, obviously, he talks a lot about OU, but he also talks a lot about the Big 12, and he's a good follow on Twitter and good stuff. So with that said um, – I don't want to keep our other guests on the line. Um, he's joined us several times, but joining us again from the Baylor Bear 247 site, Brian Etheridge. Oh, it looks like Brian's phone just dropped. Uh-oh, well, that's not good. Hopefully, Brian will call right back in. Um, so um, his phone just dropped. So hopefully, Mr. Etheridge will get right back to us because we're going to talk about the Baylor Bears. And I'm going to let, let him know that our, our friend from, from OU, there he is, um, Brian. Welcome back to the Orange Report. Hey, nice to be here. Well, good. I didn't know if you had, you had heard right before you came on the line. Um, Alan from Blatant Homerism, um, you know, and I'll get yours, you know, a little bit later. But you should feel 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 good to know already that um, the OU guy um, has 
um, Baylor was is his pick to win the Big 12 this year. So I would start you off with that that positive news. So um, <laughs> there there you go. So unfortunately, you're probably not going to like me. I told him I'm Lee. I haven't made my final prediction for the show yet. I'll do that probably in you know a few weeks after I get everybody else on. But I told him right now I'm leaning a little bit more TCU. So you know don't don't shoot me, but I'm at the day. No, no. But we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Baylor a little bit, and where I want to start. Is, is is probably the position that obviously Art Browles has mastered, and that's the quarterback position. And it looks like y'all have got another one this year. It's plug and play at the quarterback position at Baylor. Tell me about the new starter. Well, we've uh, we've been discussing a little bit about Seth Russell. I mean, he's 6'3", 215, 449 kind of kid. So you're sort of going to see a revert back to how RG3 ran the offense. Uh, that's what we're, we've seen when we started last year against Northwestern State while Bryce Petty was out. So he uses his legs a little bit more, um, got an adequate arm. It's uh, not quite a Bryce Petty strength, but it's, you know, stronger than Nick Florence. So it's, uh, we also talk about sort of interesting what we've been watching with the recruiting of quarterbacks to browse. You sort of have the athletic guy in RG3, then you have the Florence guy who, the smart guy who, you know, gets by on, on brains more than ability. And then, Petty with the great arm who doesn't run much. Now you got the guy who's going to run again with the good arm. So that's you're going to have a mix of everything there. There's there's some things that Petty didn't do well that Russell does really well. So I think the offense you're going to see a little bit of a change in how the offense is run, and also the fact of adding that other running threat uh, in Russell. So yeah, you know it's you know you still you know whenever any quarterback's throwing four thousand yards and and uh, Pretty much since they've since Browse has been there since you know I guess since Griffin started that going so um, you're looking at you know probably another again if Russell throws for four thousand and runs for five hundred it's kind of it's what kind of seasons that better fans are sort of expecting this year. Yeah, well let me go back to to last year. I hate to make you relive this, but obviously you and TCU finishing with the um, the, the the same. The same record, um, obviously, you know, Baylor people felt like they, they should have got the nod. TCU people felt they should have got the nod. Obviously, at the end of the day, neither team got a nod. So, the, you know, the Big 12 was was out. But, um, you know, that's a whole discussion we could all talk about for hours. But from a Baylor perspective, what do you think Baylor needs to do, I guess, one, um, to get, you know, and I hate to even ask it this way, but it, it's got to be somewhat true, national respect. So, if you know, you are eleven and one, maybe and one this year, or have to go undefeated to, to get into the playoffs. I mean, is it is it a Big Twelve bias? Is it a anything, is it anything Baylor can do to control that? Just what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously, I, mean, I know if I was like, because the reason and the reason I ask this, I felt this in two thousand eight when when we were left out when OU got OS when we were eleven and one. So I've, I've been on the end of that, and I tell you what, it's a, it's a, it's not a damn good feeling to be left out when you felt like you have a good football team. No, no, that that's the one thing is it, it didn't feel good. I know that uh, I know the coaching staff. I've you know talked with them at different times about it, and none of them were very happy with what happened. Uh, I think they're pointing to that to the team, and I think at media days, uh, which we were there and covering for our side, mm-hmm. that you know, Browns mentioned he goes, "Our goal is to go 12-0 and make them put us in the playoffs." And this year, you know, 18 returning starters, it's uh. You know, it's sort of, you know, I think last year was a little bit of a surprise 
of how well the team did. I mean, with, I mean, they expect they wanted to win the Big Twelve. You know, everyone wants to win the Big Twelve. They thought they had the talent to do it, but this year it almost seems like they have an even you know more experienced team to go through. You know, the one person not experienced is your quarterback, um, but everybody else pretty much is back except for you know two linebacker that you know drafted by the Jet. You know, former. Um, you know, long, long legacy there in Bryce Hager. And, right, uh, right. So, you know, there's not a lot of put pieces to replace on the team, and I think they're looking at this one could be possibly their best team they've had, period. The quarterback does what he's supposed to do. So I think that yeah, you know, they, mean, need to go 12, they, need, they need to go 12-0. and 0. You know, again, it wasn't a good feeling. I think they've, they've put that on the, you know, put that on the walls of the, of the practice facility and in the locker room, you know, that's what they're going for. But, you know, they're, and their motto is always be win the wonder, you know, win the wonder about to play the week to week. And, you know, if they had not gone to West Virginia last year and spit the bit, there wouldn't have been a question. I think that they would have probably taken that spot at an undefeated team. But, you know, you can't really blame the, uh, you know, Ohio State one at all. I mean, it was the fourteen in. So could that have been better? Well, yeah. Yes, but you know we're looking. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty on it a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean it was a crazy deal, and I actually, I mean, when it was all coming down in the end, um, I guess my my I had no dog in the fight, but I, I basically did this several times. I'm a big head to head guy, and I said, yeah, you stumbled at West Virginia road game. You gave it away right there at the end. You know, kind of, you know, kind of, you know, let it get away or whatever. But I thought I said, you know. Um, they did beat they beat TCU. It's head to head, and then and then and then what was weird after after bowl season, I kind of I kind of changed again. I said, okay, you know, you know, y'all didn't handle your business in the bowl. Probably was down no. a little bit, and TCU went out there and completely destroyed an old Miss team that I thought was pretty good. Obviously had a great defense. And then after I saw Ohio, I kind of switched again. I said, well, Baylor or TCU. Would have had no chance against Ohio State. I, you know what's funny is I thought I thought Baylor and TCU against Alabama, um, Oregon, or Florida State were all pretty even. And then after I saw Ohio State, I'd watched Ohio State a couple times during the year, but they just hit their stride at the right time. I don't think anybody was going to beat Ohio State. It w- it really didn't matter at that point. So the best team, in my opinion, got in and then they won it. So I mean, it's all yeah. water under the bridge now. But but let me trip gears because I think one of the Achilles' heel has been for Baylor the last few years, uh, and it, I think we're seeing steady progress. It's the defense, and I think you know having most of your defense back. I think it, from a Baylor perspective, if you're a Baylor fan with the offense y'all been able to produce, and assuming that, that Russell does do what y'all expect him to do, uh, you're going to put up points on everybody. So if the defense continues to take strides, I think you're right. I think Baylor could potentially have a special season. So tell me about what the expectations are for the defense, because I think this is the best defense y'all put out there. Yeah, I think you know, this last year uh, the defense took a little step back. You know, After the Texas game, they lost Jamal Palmer. Um, they, mm-hmm. And then they answered K.J. Smith out there defensive end is a retro freshman who's got a bright future. But there was just not – the depth wasn't there to replace him when he needed when he needed time off. And so, you know, you have a retro freshman out there. You have Oakman who's a double team in, you know, or Billings lined up beside each other. So they got – everybody's paying attention to them. Blackshear does pretty well. But when Palmer is gone, 
that sort of slowed the defensive line down. And if you watch, you know, for me watching the games as many times as I've had, teams were able to prepare, you know, for Oakland and Billing more than before because, you know, Palmer wasn't outside. Who's just the guy that doesn't stop. And that's the, uh, you know, has a great motor and was a junior, you know, blew his knee out there. And he's coming back this year. So the defensive line should be very good again. Um, Billings, and, you know, he's a stud inside. You have to, you know, respect that guy. And there's, you know, rumors he could go out this, leave this year and go to the NFL. You know, of course, Baylor fans don't want that to happen when we come back for a senior year. But, you know, you can't, you can never fault a guy if he, if he leaves for, you know, higher draft pick. Uh, Oakman, the uh, source scratched the surface last year. He's still, you know, working on his technique, getting a little bit lower, getting his pads down. But when you're 6'9", it's hard to keep your pads down to a guy that, you know, even though a guy's, He's going to get for six five six six. He's always going to be a little bit taller, but um, you know. So the D line's great. Um, linebacker replacing Bryce Hager with Grant Campbell, who had who actually the person that sacked uh, Trevor Knight when they knocked him out of the game against OU. Uh, so got a little experience there when Hager got dinged up a couple games last year. So you're start, starting to see that he was a starting center fielder in at, uh, in uh, junior college. And then moved moved over to football from baseball. So he's got some good speed. I mean, he's about two thirty five, two forty now. He uh, gained weight last year after enrolling. So that's one you know the one piece they're replacing there on the defense. Uh, Taylor Young next next to him. Kids, you know, just you know, just what can you say about a guy that's five nine, two and a quarter that's out there starting as a you know retro freshman, and you know you know all having a hundred tackles on the year. Uh, the secondary. That's where the issue was last year. You had three first first year starters. Uh, one of them, one of those guys, you know, was first team All Big Twelve. But you know, the issue is the uh, nickelback position was a little bit not quite as athletic as the years before. Not to Mod Dixon or Sam Hall, so they were you know protecting him a little bit, and he was only covering the flats. It couldn't stick with a slot receiver. This year, you're putting in uh, Trayvon Blanchard, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 195-pound former cornerback. So he'll be out there on the in the nickelback position. So that's the one that, uh, you know, should be able to clean up some of the mess from the slot, slot receivers, you know, and cover tight ends and also support the run. Last year, it was more, the nickelback was just more or less supporting the run. And then uh, at corner, he, Xavier Howard, uh, he's got a bright future. He'll be a you know, redshirt junior. And then Ryan Reed, you know, was a former four-star kid, played with a sports hernia the last five games of the year. Uh, just didn't have anybody to back him up. So he missed the spring, but he's back healthy now after surgery. So that would be, um, you know, that, that that's sort of what the defense is sitting at. I mean, there's – and they're starting to build some depth and behind it, some quality depth, uh, the past recruiting classes. So there's some competition back there and – Tie on right. Right now he's pushing Ryan Reed a little bit because Reed's been gone, been gone. Now he's back out, you know, back here on the field today. But right was your starter in the spring game. So that's going to be interesting to watch that battle. The other three are pretty pretty set back there. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've you know, obviously saw a lot of y'all's games last year. Know what, what you have, in, have come back, and I'll put you on the spot here too. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, right now I'm leaning a little bit more towards TCU, uh, obviously because y'all play at TCU, and I think TCU is going to have a little 
you know, has circled it has circled that on their on their calendar, the, the Baylor game. So I've got y'all going, you know, you know, eleven and one, ten and two if you slip up somewhere else. But I could also see twelve and zero oh if you you know if you get you know the last two you know get, get to the you know our game obviously undefeated. Yeah, you know, it's going to it's going to be a big deal, but I just think that TCU in November is going to be tough even if you go in. So, you know, I, I guess I'll just say 11 and 1 and then we'll just have to see what, you know, what what, you know, what TCU does if they stumble up somewhere else or if you are both 11 and 1 and what happens, but that's my prediction. I assume you're going to predict 12 and 0 because if I was in your position, that's what I would be predicting. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I I'm thinking 12 and 0, but I mean, there's you know, some orange kryptonite up there in Stillwater for some reason when everybody that plays there. And, yeah. Uh, for some reason, when everybody that plays there, it just I, – I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if, if uh, we joked – I joked about some friends about, you know, see, you know, like all the souls get stolen as they, as they mm-hmm. cross the border. Uh, but last year, you know, they went up to Oklahoma and, and dismantled, you know, a pretty decent OU team last year. and. So maybe this right. is the year they get over that. But the Big 12 didn't really do Baylor any favors. I mean, you finished off. You got Thursday night K-State game at K-State. Right. You're you're at Oklahoma State on Saturday. Then you come around and play a short week and play at TCU on a Friday. So right. Baylor's schedule, you know, going to be in, – in, in between there, you have an OU home game, and then you finish up with Texas. So, I mean, those last five are going to be pretty difficult no matter who you are. Uh, you know, getting through that, you know, unscathed, it is difficult. I mean, it sets up great for Baylor if Baylor ran the table and ran those last five games off. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think you could. I don't think the college football playoff committee could say, "Wow, you know, they played a week schedule at the end of the year that they weren't playing well at the end of the year." You know, obviously Baylor has to get past the, you know, first game against SMU, new coach there. So, yeah, you know, I think that's what they're concentrating on right now is just making sure that you know the team's not looking ahead. Uh, you know, passing me in the non-conference, but they're ready to play, you know, SMU here on September 4th. And that's uh, that's gonna probably going to be the hardest thing, just making sure that they are focused because all those games at the end are going to be there and it's going to, you know, turn up completely, you know, another level once they get past, you know, Oklahoma, um, once they get past West Virginia and Kansas and, you know, and Iowa State, you know, you know, having Iowa State at home, that's, Usually not a big deal for Baylor at this point. Uh, you know, been, you know, they're a little bit down, but you never, you know, and you never can tell what Paul Rose is going to throw out there. But the home games this year, you know, all at the end of the season, the ones that matter, I mean, it's Oklahoma and Texas coming to coming to Waco. So that's, uh, you know, those will be the the major major games at home, while you know going on the road to Oklahoma State, to K State, to TCU. Can have it all in a row. That's going to be, that'd be you know, quite difficult. That, that's right. why. That's the only reason I worry about. You know, those games are spaced out a little bit. You know, I, I could see twelve and zero being a little bit easier, which you never can say. You know, going undefeated is never easy. But having well, and that's what I was getting ready. Those, those, that's what I was getting ready to say. Is being a fan of a team that has gone undefeated is. I mean, there's going to be at least one one game at a minimal that you come out and you're just flat and don't play good and you've got to overcome some things and just steal one that you probably should have lost. And then there's going to be a second game that's just going to be a tough game because the other team is just good too. 
you've got to win. It's going to come down to two, about two games that you're going to come out flat. You're going to jump down. You're going to get down 13, 14 points. You're going to have turnovers. And if you can overcome that, um, and, 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 and get, and, and get back to it. And, and some, and sometimes you do it and sometimes you don't. And that, and that's, and that, I mean, if you look, even when we had Vince Young, you know, we had to overcome a, a debt where it was one or two games, even as great as that team was, they had to overcome something. You look at USC's undefeated team, they had to get the last push in against Notre Dame. In 2008, yep. we went up to Texas Tech, and, and that's the game that we lost, and we got we got yep, behind, and we got a push, and then we, we couldn't get over, we couldn't get over. So there's going to be at least one or two of those games, even for a great team. And I mean, look at, look at Ohio State last year. Who in the hell? As great as they were at the end of the year, nobody would have thought they would have lost to um, Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech was horrible. So there's yeah, always zero, that zero one game. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that, that, exactly. that happened last year with TCU against Kansas last year. I mean, just came back to the end, I think. Right. So it's, it's just, it's just, you just, there's always going to be that game. But let's shift gears a minute and talk about the Big 12 as a whole. And I was telling Alan this, um, the OU guy, a little bit before you came on is, I know Baylor and TCU are, are, are on the top of the conference right now, but and I and I said and I told this to him, that's great for them. And TCU and Baylor fans are probably loving it that OU and Texas are down. But to be honest, it's not good for the conference. It's not good for them. I would rather see us in the top ten, y'all in the top. We need everybody to be good, or this conference is. And I'm going to make the prediction now. If either of y'all go 11 and one again or left out of the playoffs, the Big 12 is dead. Texas and OU is going to blow this thing up just in case because they're this thing's going to blow up and and it's it's going bye bye a lot sooner than quicker. There's no way the, the Texas and the OUs are going to stand by and be in a that doesn't even get a playoff representative. I mean, we're, we're spinning our wheels at that point. We're playing for nothing. And I would hope that Baylor and TCU feel that way too because what are we playing for if we're not going to play with the big boys? We might as well shut it down. So what's your opinion on where should the Big 12 go and, and what you know what, what needs to happen here? I mean, I, I don't think last year if it had been Texas or OU 11-1, they'd been left out. One. Well, we hope. Uh, I, I'm not, I, 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 I think don't, that I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, because really and truly, I, you know, I, I do think that, you know, it, I don't know. It, you know, as a conspiracy theorist, and you think, I mean, in me, thinks that a little bit, you know, and, you know, a little low Baylor, a little low TCU, you know, they still got that. And, you know, we've heard we've heard things that we've talked about in the in the college, you know, in the playoff group and Tom Osborne in there. You know, yeah, he's, exactly. he's no fan of the Big 12. Uh, you have Absolutely. Barry Alvarez, no big fan. No, no. In the Big Twelve, no big fan. Really Absolutely. Underrepresented there, and you know the yep. one person in there in the rooms from West Virginia who has really no affiliation with. You know he's all right. like from you know from Texas or you know, live in Texas and has a degree from Texas, but you know he's in West Virginia. There's you know the state of Texas runs the Big Twelve. I'm you know OU's OU's a great program. Well, it's been a great program, but without Texas players, OU has nothing. Without Texas people going to OU, how many people are at OU? I mean, the entire state of Texas makes you know it's pretty much dominates the Big Twelve, and that's the way I that's the way I see it. I mean, the conference, the headquarters are in Texas. Everything about it is in Texas. You know, sure, absolutely. At basket, basketball, you know, great Kansas, you got basketball, but then you get to button gear and get some football going up there too. You know, mm-hmm. same thing with Iowa State. 
I mean, we we heard it at Baylor, you know, kicked Baylor out of the Big 12, you know, for 10 years. You know, not we, Baylor was horrible in football. You had a murder in basketball. <laughs> you know, you know Baylor, was hang, Baylor fans were hanging their head on women's basketball and baseball. Right. And, you know, and some tennis and some golf. And, you know, I love those. I mean, I love playing golf. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I love playing baseball. I love, I love all sports. But that's not what the money's made at. I mean, you can see the investment Baylor's made now with the new stadium, with, you know, the new nutrition center, the indoor facility. You know, I think they just dropped another million dollars in technology in, inside the weight room, you know, for athletes. And it's not just the football team. They bring the entire, you know, program, all the programs in there that work through the, you know, Coach Dazzotti. So it's it's one thing to look, at, look there, but I don't know. I mean, to me, it's... I want Texas, and I want OU, and I want Baylor, and I want TCU, and I want Tech, and I want all those schools to be great. You know, and you fight it out, and you get out there, and you and you let the dust settle. And I sort of, I like the round robin. I like how you play everybody. You know, I grew up in the Southwest Conference. You know, I loved that. You know, when when it went to the Big Twelve, and you know, you played Colorado every you know two years, and you know, I don't have anything against Colorado. I don't really care about Colorado. You know, when they left the Big Twelve, I mean. I, you know, no big deal. You know, we didn't really right. lose anything. You know, when Nebraska left, that was a, that was a marquee name. Uh, you know, marquee school. But since they've gone to Big Ten, you know, Texas recruiting's dried up for them. Uh, they've fallen off. I don't think it's their coaching. Uh, they just aren't the no, talent. It's, it's, no, no uh, Nebraska leaving the Big 12, and I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of their fans um, uh, it was the biggest mistake they ever made. They will never return to prominence because they just they lost their their recruiting. And I mean, the, the Texas kids have no desire to go there now because they don't even know who they are. Because they don't. I mean, yeah, it's that was that, yeah, realignment killed them. Same thing for Missouri. You know, Missouri's one of the big, you know the SEC East, but you know they had twenty four Texans when they left the Big Twelve. Now they're at eleven on that team. You know, Missouri. I mean. You don't you don't think if Baylor or Texas or OU was in the SEC East they wouldn't have won it? I mean they, I mean how many times did Texas whip a, whip Missouri? How many times did OU whip Missouri? You know last time Baylor and Missouri played Baylor whipped Missouri. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing is I don't buy the hype of the SEC as much as some people do. I mean your dominance over A and M A and M has always had Baylor's number. OU's always had had A and M's number. Texas has always had A&M's number. You know, A&M's now sort of sliding a little bit after Manziel's left. But I just don't buy it as much. Um, when I see LSU get beat by Notre Dame in a bowl game, and I see Ohio State just trounce Alabama after OU trounced Alabama the year before. You know, that's not a that's not something that you, know, you make. I guess Nick Saban can make every excuse in the world for, but they got you know, a butt kick. Both those games. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, yeah, you're not yeah, a championship game, you got your butt kicked. Yeah, yeah he, he, he didn't have them prepared. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. got it handed to them. There's then, no doubt the about that. that. And, I mean, Texas beat OU in 2013, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Baylor beat them in 2013. So you have the team that Baylor yeah, and Texas be, we, both beat, beating the crap out of Alabama. So that that's the thing I don't I just don't buy the hype as much, you know. If you want to put it on CBS and say it's the greatest ever, on ESPN and say it's the greatest ever, and people buy it, great. But I, I'm still not buying it. 
it is, it is well, what, what you have is you have you have you have you know you have three you have three really decent, really good to elite decent teams every year, and then you got about two, um, one or two that are good ever so often, and then you've got about eight or nine that are feeding off what the other four or five hype is, and that, and that's just the reality of it. And and then it, it'll turn again, but as long and, and and the playoffs were the best thing that that happened to it because. Now, now that we've seen what the playoffs are about, uh, the, the the BCS was the biggest SEC fiasco there was. One year, two SEC things, and and then this exactly. is what people don't realize: had we had we had the BCS this past year, it probably it would have been Alabama and Florida State playing for the national championship, uh, and which was a, was a farce. So this year, you saw Ohio State going there and just you know run up and down the field on Alabama, and that's what you're going to see. Now the is going to get some good teams and they're going to get the playoffs and they're going to win some national championship but but they were it was like the winner of that conference had an automatic bid to the bcs championship game and the other four or five conferences were fighting for one spot and and you had some other teams that were just as good and so the, the bcs the playoffs last year really exposed the fallacy of bcs we all knew you know to begin with but you know like i said that's a whole different conversation, Brian, but I'll let you go because I only was going to do a little about an hour tonight. I know you've got to be somewhere else. So I really do appreciate you coming on though for the second night after I had my um, software debacle last night. It was my blood pressure about 300. I'm surprised I, I recovered from it. I hate to have something all planned out because I'm so anal and then it just blew up and there was nothing I could do about it. But definitely tell our listeners, um, where they where they can find you, um, uh, you know your site if they want to go over there and check it out. I know they have to join, but some people will do that. I'm actually a member of the Texas 247 site, and um, you know I, I guess I can go over and read stuff at the uh, at the at the different sites now. You know, and I never posted on other boards, but I guess y'all had to shut all that down because different fan bases were getting on different sites and being stupid. So I I can at least go and read y'all stuff. I go read other, stuff, but tell people where they can find you. There and on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at, at Truth or Bear two four seven. You know, uh, again, BearsTruth.com is our, our website. There with twenty four seven network. And the one good thing about the network is you can read all all the different sites and all their private information, all the VIP information. You know, with one membership. So that's the one good thing about it. Yeah, we did have to we shut down the. Uh, we had a uh, couple special guests that they would come on our yeah, board. Yeah, we all former former NFL current former NFL players. We'll come to Q and A's and and some of them just didn't want to deal with the, deal with other fan bases. That was part of it. And then uh, when uh, in 2013, the Baylor and Ohio State were getting there close to the end. The other Ohio State just has a real rapid fan base, probably 100 times the size of Baylor, just due to the fact that they have 70,000 students or whatever. And they sort of just overran the site one day. And we're like, you know, this we didn't build this for Ohio State fans to come on here and and spew nonsense and. Um, so yeah, we locked that one down, and of course you have A and M fans doing the same thing. They've done it to pretty much every board out there. I think the Texas board locked down yeah. as well because they yeah, it, it is yeah. as well. And you, and you just and you just, I mean, don't be internet tough guy. Just you know, come and share share information, have a good time, and use the use the boards for what they are. And you know, great for mess, you know, getting information out there and and you know having a community. But you know, there's just no need for some things. Yeah, it's it's funny that you know, I, um, yeah, I would be reading stuff over you know something that Jeff Howe or, or you know Holland or somebody wrote, and Aggies would come in and you know, fly and 
And I thought, well, you know, why are they even here? I, I, I can honestly say I've never, I've never posted one thing on an ad. I don't even care to engage them because I know, I know what direction it's going to go. I guess some people love trolling, so you know. Yeah, I guess to each their own. Yeah. The trolling. Like you said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have time for that mess. No, I, I mean, I got enough to do in my real life <laughs> besides, uh, besides what I do yeah. on the on the boards, you know, taking care of that board. So yeah, I know, I know, you know. Well, let me ask you one quick question before I let you go, because I guess we just, we just found out today a quick recruiting question. Uh, what, what's your take on Hudson um, being in Austin this week? Come around a little bit. Oh, we've talked to him. Um, you know, he's told us he saw the Baylor, you know, he told, he said he told the staff he was going to take the visit and, you know, that's what, you know, he did. And, you know, Patrick's been committed for quite a while and, He's going to check things out. He's going to check things out. Um, he's a great kid. I mean, you know, he's one, if he tells you something, you can pretty much take the bank what he says to you. And uh, We've talked to other people. We've talked to him. and He's told them the same thing. You know, he's, he saw the bear. He's wanted to check it out and had a family friend that wanted to take him over to Texas and show him. And the guy's been telling him he wants to take him. And, you know, it is. It's recruiting. He's a five-star kid. Everybody's going to want him, and everybody's going to be after him. And you know, it's part of the game. It's just a. Uh, I mean, this Baylor's 2017 class right now. You're going to see. It's never going to end. There's never a time when you're you're going to have somebody doesn't want Hezekiah Jones and or you know Jamon Osmond. You know, there's going to be in Baron Browning. I mean, we know that three different staffs committed NCAA violations the moment Browning committed. They all called him on his phone before September 1st. You know, and he called us and he goes, well, this coach called me, this coach called me, this coach called me. And I said, and I said, well, Baron, you know, it's up to you what you want to do with that. I mean, I'm I'm not here to turn somebody into the NCA. That's not what, you know, we just report what, what kids tell us and, and go. And uh, so it's, it's all, you know, it's sort of interesting right now what's happening with that many high-rated kids coming to Baylor to watch what's happening and, and just seeing that behind the scenes a little bit of, you know, because those, those kids will tell you things and say, you can't put this on the, you can't put this on the board, but this is what happened with this. And it, welcome, welcome to the big time. What's that? You're, you're going to, I said, welcome to the big time. You're going to hear stories now that, that you're, you're going to be your head at. You're behind the scenes things that go on that something that, that coaches you're going to hear things that you're going to say oh my god it's going to make you just uh, just wait for it i'm telling you you're going to hear things oh we've had we've had a couple what? it's funny we, we, we laughed about too the uh kids that we we first started inside about four years ago you call a kid and say hey what do you think about you know what's going with this school this school contact you this school contact you and you know what do you think about these five your five favorites or something like that and they'd rather off five later wouldn't be in there and you're like, okay, Greg, and you report that, and your, your fan base is going, well, you know, what do they say about Baylor? And I said, well, they didn't say anything about Baylor. You know, we're not making up news for them saying they're saying something about Baylor. And then, you know, now you call a kid, and, they, and first thing out of their mouth will be, you know, really like Baylor. And you're like, okay, what about these schools? And then they'll say, you know, it, it's just a paradigm shift of what we've seen. And, uh, you know, I guess Art Browse made it clear about Baylor. Thanks for the You there? All right, well, that was.
Etheridge. Again, I appreciate everybody being tonight. Let's see where issues will pop up in there. But I think that will um, everything out there on my So uh, I really appreciate everybody. Uh, we'll be back next month with Natalie. Uh, previewing 12. I'm pretty excited.